Let's pray for a moment. Uh, Father, thank you for the reminder that we are your children, that you have pulled us into your family. And these moments of communion just help us appreciate what it took to get us there, that Jesus had to hang on a cross. And now, Lord, we feast upon your word, and we pray that it will be a rich blessing to us to uh, be focused on it, not only today, but may we do that every day. And this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to tell you, I'm glad to be in a group of people today. Let me tell you why. The first half of last week was very quiet at Ogleville Christian Church. Now imagine, Marty's gone. That might explain it all already. But with Marty being gone, Zach and his family were gone. Benita and her family were gone. And Betsy chose to work toward the end of the week. So those first three days, I was in this office all by myself every day. No preschool with Sherry. And there was very, very little foot traffic through the building on those three days. So I am very glad to be with you today and share with you from God's word. And I want you to know that Marty will be back in the pulpit next week. And don't forget, he starts that new sermon series about being chosen Finding our identity in Christ. One of the things you can do to make him really feel welcomed is to be here and invite others to come as well as we talk about where we stand in Jesus Christ. 2T22. I want you to think about those four characters. 2T22. They're the theme of today's message. It's all about discipleship. Particularly, it's about discipleship that is done in the right way by following God's design. To begin with, we probably need to make a couple of definitions. Let's define the word discipleship. I found this definition that I really like. Discipleship is intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God to love God through accountable relationships and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in order to reproduce and replicate fully devoted, completely committed, faithful followers of Christ. There's a lot in that definition, and we're going to talk about some of those ideas as we go on. Now, the word discipleship is the noun form. The verb form is the word discipling. And I found this definition of discipling. It is the action and the work of making a person into a disciple or a follower, and in our case, in the church world, a follower of Jesus Christ. We're going to be taking our message today from the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you want to be turning to that in the Bible in front of you, or on the screen behind me, or on your device, 2 Timothy 2.2. Thus, the 2T2.2. 2 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. I want that to be burned in your minds today, so I want you to say it with me, okay? 2T22. Two, 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 two. Okay, let's say it just a little bit louder this time. 2T22. Two, 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 two. One more time. 2T22. Two, two. You're going to understand what that means in just a little bit. It is a reference, of course, to this passage of Scripture. And it's a quick and easy way for you to remember. Now, discipling, I need to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And that's where I can find a good plan that God has given us to do that. And so we've said it. I hope we remember it. 
And we're going to focus today on the first three verses, but the whole uh, portion through verse 7 is important to the idea as well. You see, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul, we're going to call him in this case the mentor or the discipler, explains to and commissions his young son in the faith, Timothy. We'll call him the mentee or the discipled. How to be effective and how to be successful in doing the work that God had called the young man to do. It's important that we note the work God called Timothy to do is the very same work that Jesus gave to everyone as he issued those words of the Great Commission right before he ascended to heaven. So it's important that we understand these are not just instructions for Timothy, his mentee in that particular case, but rather they're words for all of us who claim to walk with Jesus Christ. Now we know the word mentor, we hear it occasionally, but let me remind you just so it's not a familiar word to you, the word mentee, Again, in this case, it's Timothy. Is a person who is taught and advised, a person who is guided and trained, a person who is discipled by a mentor. In this case, Paul. Mentoring. It's a very effective and it's a very time-honored and biblically mandated practice for every believer. I hope you got that. Biblically mandated. We should all, every person who is a believer in Jesus Christ, should be both mentoring others and getting mentored by someone or many ones as well. Both the giving and the receiving of mentoring is the right and proper conduct for the Christian. It's God's plan for discipleship. It's the way we do discipleship in the right way as we follow the design of God. 2T22 means that it's everyone's participation is wanted and needed in this process. Our marching orders from Jesus himself are clear. They're divinely urgent. Our obedience to those commands are necessary and required. And I'd like to think that our discipling efforts should mimic those actions of the Energizer Bunny. And it just keeps going and going and going and going. And it doesn't stop until Jesus comes back. And therefore, there are many more for him to carry home. But that then leads to the question. It's a question I need to ask myself. It's a question you need to ask yourself. Who are you discipling? Who are you reaching out to? to bring them along in the faith, to bring them into the faith in the first place. Let's be like that energizer buddy and never stop doing that important work. 2T22 means that when we became disciples of Christ, the person who led us to him, the one who discipled us, okay? Think of that person or those persons. The one who led us to him delegated that same responsibility to us or I pray they did, they certainly should have. In other words, they did work in us so that they should then delegate, we should delegate to another to be a disciple and to make disciples. It's a twofold thing. 
And the divine cycle repeats and repeats until the whole world comes to know Christ and follow Christ and serve Christ and obey Christ and to love Christ. So again, the question, who are you discipling? Who are you help bringing into a relationship with Jesus or who are you help, helping grow into a deeper relationship with Jesus? That's what 2 2 2-2 is all about. Let's look at those verses together. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Paul writes again to Timothy, one he had brought into the faith himself. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Discipling, discipleship done right by design. That design, that plan. We want to look at that plan from Paul's words here to Timothy. And so we look at the plan part one. Here's part one of the plan and it's found in verse one. He tells Timothy, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in Jesus. Here's part one of the plan. Timothy, and really, again, all of us who come after him, you and me, the whole world. Timothy, make sure, first and foremost, that you are where you need to be in the faith. We understand that part of the plan? Let's make sure that we have and are, and doing our best to be where we need to be in the faith ourselves. In other words, this is a part of the plan where we kind of work on ourselves. We do that essential work of looking within. We examine our faith. We examine the condition and the depth of our own spiritual walk in life. And we ask God to help us be consistent in our conduct and to be bold in our beliefs. And we do that hard work on ourselves with God's help. And as we think about, are you where you need to be? There's two ideas we can understand if if we're at least moving on the path. And the first is, if we're going to be in the right place, if we're going to be where we need to be in the faith, the first thing we need to do is to enlist. We need to join up. We need to choose Jesus, if you will. We decide that we want to be on the Lord's team. We want to be a part of his family. We want to be a soldier in his army. We want to be a Christian. We make that decision and we commit our lives to him. We want to be a Jesus person. Yes, we want to accept his love and his forgiveness and his grace. And we want to get involved in his work. We accept his grace. We accept his pardon. We accept the new life he gives us that only he can. And we commit ourselves to be a person that has a very personal relationship with Jesus. We embrace him. And so that's the first thing we need to do in order to make sure we're where we need to be. We need to get on the right team. That makes sense, doesn't it? But there's another thing we need to do, and that is we need to get ingrained. And I chose that word because it means deeply embedded. You know, if I just write something on a piece of paper, I can come along with an eraser and it's gone. 
But if I etch it or burn it or scribe it into something hard, it lasts much longer. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. Be strong. Be ingrained in Jesus. God calls us to be deeply rooted in our faith. He expects us to be moving toward maturity in Christ. And so we demonstrate the genuineness of our faith as ingrained in Him by producing the fruit of the Spirit, by practicing those important and essential Christian disciplines that bring about our spiritual growth. We choose a life of holiness. We choose a life of righteousness. We make up our minds that we're not only going to welcome Jesus, we're going to walk with Jesus, we're going to worship Jesus, we're going to witness for Jesus. And so we do all we can to make sure that we're always up to speed and where God wants us to be and doing what God wants us to do. Part one of the plan, make sure Timothy... Ogleville Christian Church, me, you, that you are where we are where we need to be in the faith. I like the way author Wilbur Reese kind of leads this idea as he printed a book of devotionals years and years ago, back in the 60s, I think, is when it first came out. But in this devotional, he wrote one whose main thought was this. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. When I was a kid, I used to go to the Grant store or the Woolworth store nearby and buy a nickel's worth of M&M's. That was a pretty decent-sized bag back then. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Oh, not enough to explode my soul, not enough to disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a warm cup of milk or a snooze in the sunshine. Oh, I don't want enough of Jesus to make me love a black man or to make me pick beats with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. Oh, what I want is a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. (laughs) I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Well, Reese continues with some commentary about his devotional, and he says this. It's disturbing, isn't it? Disturbing. Oh, we want to believe that there's a good and gracious God who loves us all and accepts us all. But if we go further in that idea and suggest that this same perfect being, to suggest that God might also be a moral and holy God, and then in turn he might require us to be righteous and pure or if we take it even a step further and suggest that he may ask something of us in return suddenly our enthusiasm to know him and walk with him begins to wane the call of God on each man and woman is to a changed life God is bidding us to come to him to embrace him all of him with all of us And then having been with him, to go forth from his presence and be an agent of change in the world. We change the world by being a part of his church. His instrument for global transformation. Church is not a social club. 
not a convenience store. It's not a spa. Rather, the church of Christ is an army. It's a family. It is his body reaching out to the world. The church is his, his body is the only means for global transformation. We are his feet. We are his hands. We are his heart. We are his voice. We are the ones he uses to care for the lost and the broken, the rejected and the weak, and to love all. Again, even the first time I read that back in the 60s and 70s, $3 worth of God. Mm. But maybe this revelation, the revelation that we, the church, are God's only option for reaching the world, is so uncomfortable that maybe we would just prefer $3 worth of God instead. Well, $3 worth of God may make us comfortable but it is not where we or what we, the church, were made for. That needs to be repeated. Three dollars worth of God may tend to make us comfortable, but it is not what we, the church, were made for. The final commission of Jesus, his last words before he ascended into heaven, was that his followers be disciples and his followers make disciples. Paul affirms that in this text, that it's our primary task. And he's providing us the strategy to get it done. Part one, Timothy, make sure you are where you need to be in the faith. Step two in the plan, part two of the plan, we find in verse two, where Paul says, what I've taught you, you entrust to others and let them do it as well. Make sure they do it as well. Part two of the plan simply says, Timothy, and again, all who follow, me and you, Ogleville Christian Church, and every Christian there is, make sure you fully prepare others to carry on the faith. Yeah, you've worked on yourself. You've got yourself where you need to be. Now it's time to go forward, to go outward with that. So you prepare others as well as yourselves to carry on for the faith. This is a part of his plan where we actively and intentionally invest in other believers. We do what we can to reproduce ourselves in them even as Jesus is being reproduced in us. And then they do the same thing and the same thing. And the same thing. We train them. We get them involved in the ongoing work of working on their own discipleship and making disciples of others. And again, I think there's two things we can do to see that that happens. And Paul uses the word entrust. To share this message with other people and entrust that they're going to then share it with others. And on down the line it goes. The message that changed our lives needs to reach many more lives. We all would agree with that. And this happens when we get passionate about the mission of Jesus and his church. And we acknowledge that we cannot keep it alive all by ourselves. No matter how dedicated, no matter how faithful, no matter how on fire we may be, we cannot do it by ourselves. We can't do it alone. We must bring Others 
into this discipling work that God has called us to do. You see, the souls of the other people and the souls of the other people that they will reach, on and on and on. It's an ongoing effect or not. And the souls of other people hang in the balance. And when we entrust this message, these words we've taught, this faith that we have to others, we can then celebrate that more and more of God's people are obeying the last wishes of Jesus to disciple the whole world. And as we do that, just imagine the world getting better and better and better as more souls want to live for him and practice his way. To make sure that we have fully prepared people to carry on the message, we need to entrust that message and that work to them. But we also need to empower them. We know the familiar apprentice formula. If you're going to apprentice somebody, the first thing you do is teach, train, instruct them. Then you let them watch you and help you. Then you let them do and you help them. And finally, you turn them loose to do the work that God has called them to do. I want you to know I celebrate the fact and I bless those of this church who come forward and say, I've got a ministry in mind. God has laid a ministry on my heart and I want to do this. Will you come beside me? And it's the attitude of our leadership and it's the attitude of our family here at Ogle that we will bless them. We will encourage them. Many times we will fund them, provide them a space, whatever they may need. We are empowering other people by letting them have the chance to share what they have, to share their gifts and talents. God's army, therefore, gets equipped and its soldiers go and do his work. And many more disciples come into the kingdom. You see, this idea of entrusting and empowering others is really the model of our Savior Jesus. What he did, he had the 12, and he poured into them, and he said, now you go pour your life into others. And make sure when you do, you train them to the point that they're pouring their lives into another or others as well. This is the Jesus model. And I like this quote I found that said, Success in discipleship, success in discipling, does not happen unless the discipled one then disciples another. And unless that other disciples another, and on and on and on. We do not have success in discipleship. God's work, God's kingdom, God's cause is depending on us to make sure that we do everything we can to fully prepare others to carry on the work. Well, part three of the plan found in verse three. And Paul says, endure hardships to Timothy. Timothy, part three of the plan is this. Make sure that you persevere and make sure that you hang in there for the faith and make sure that everybody else that comes along does that as well. Now this is as important as the first two parts. We've got to hang in there. 
There's going to be hardships. There's going to be difficulties. We're going to meet obstacles. We're going to meet people who want nothing to do with it, who might even oppose us or fight us in some way. But it's important that we make sure our faith stays strong and that our intentional efforts to win and build up other disciples never stop. And so we trust and believe in God's promises that He will help us, that He will deliver us, that He will give us the strength we need to do this. To do this, we need to endure. That's what Paul tells Timothy. Endure the hardships. I sadly share a story with you from my teenage years when one of the men in my home church who had been greatly involved in my life, a frequent Sunday school teacher, a youth group leader, a man who stood at the table occasionally and offered the prayer and led the meditation, a man who visited people and, and helped them in their walk with Christ, this man who was a big part of my spiritual formation as an elementary school kid, soon after I became a teenager, walked away from the church. It broke my heart. This man had been telling me all about Jesus and how wonderful Jesus was, and now he's forsaken it. I was crushed. See, we've got to hang in there. We've got to keep going. Too much lays in wait. It just broke my heart. And so Paul calls us to hang on and endure, to stay strong. But this endurance also means then that we need something to look at, something to imitate, something to copy. And so we not only endure the hardships, but we emulate those who show us the way. And so we emulate the Christ-likeness of others. And we look to the example of others that are in our lives that will help us continue our faithfulness to the work and motivate us to do it. Oh, we take note of the Bible heroes. We look at these Bible heroes and say, they did wonderful things. We look at the saints of the past that we knew and loved. We look at our childhood role models. We look to caring adults and caring kids. We look to great leaders. And when we look to leaders, we understand that leadership not only happens in these kind of upfront roles, but leadership happens behind the scenes as well. And so we look to these people and we say, I want to be like you, like you're being like Jesus. We find their godly qualities and we determine that we want to imitate them even as they imitate Christ. And we carefully guard our own examples in that. 2T22, Paul goes on in the verses we haven't read though, and he gives us some examples to let us know how we can do these things. And he continues the directive and, and repeats the commission here, if you will, by pointing out three worthy examples who know what they're supposed to be doing and they do whatever it takes to achieve and maintain success in that given work. He mentions the soldier. He mentions the athlete. He mentions the farmer. We're going to call these people admirables. Because they possess qualities that we admire. We appreciate and admire their dedication, their steadfastness. These hardworking people, they're devoted and they're great examples for us to follow. Disciple lessons for, discipleship lessons for us from their lives teaches us to be sold out, to go all in. We realize from the farmer 
and from the athlete and from the soldier that we just can't dabble in this Jesus stuff. That we just can't stick our little toes in the water. Instead, Jesus calls us all to be fully devoted followers and disciples. And so that's the question for us today. How are we doing? How are we doing with this plan? Maybe we can ask ourselves about and just remind ourselves of who discipled us and take a minute and thank them that they did. Maybe take a minute or many minutes to thank God that they did. And again, we ask, who are we discipling? And we find one and we dive into it head first because God is depending on us to do just that. Some of you may be familiar with the story about four men. The story is called, Whose Job Is It Anyway? Seems that there were four people. Their names were everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. Hmm. Well, I'm not sure how parents came to those names, but we'll just carry on with the story. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it, Oh, anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. And so it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have. And sadly, nothing ever got done. Friends, 2T22. It reminds us of this statement again that is worth repeating from the beginning of the message. When we became disciples of Jesus Christ, the person who led us to Him delegated the same responsibility to us that we should delegate another to be a disciple and to make disciples so that this divine cycle repeats and continues until the whole world follows, knows, serves, obeys, and loves Jesus too. Oh, I want you to be thankful. I certainly am for those who discipled me. And God would then have us pay it forward, if you will, by being one who disciples others fully and completely. This is the design of God's plan, to disciple in the right way. Let's do it, Ogleville. Let's do it to the best of our ability. We're going to be standing and singing in just a minute a hymn of invitation. The song is, I Surrender All. And that's what God is calling us to do. Surrender your total self to me. Let me save you and let me put you to work. Let me forgive your sins and let me uh, make you my messenger, my agent of change in the world. Let me give you my grace. And then you be the one who brings others to me. That's God's plan. Let's do it. And let's do it well. If you've got a decision to make this morning... We're going to stand and sing our song of invitation. If you've got a decision to make, make your way forward as we sing.
I'm so glad you were here, and I'm glad I got to be a part of being here with you today. Please keep in mind that Trunk or Treat is our fall family activity, and it will be on Friday night, the 29th of October, here at the church. There will be trunks full of candy, and if you would like to make one and and, uh, do one in the parking lot, we'd love to have you do that. Our own McKenna McCord is doing this, sponsoring, planning, coordinating this as her senior project. You can let her know if you'd be willing to do that. Uh, donate candy. There's lots of ways you can help. And uh, McKenna can tell you what those would be, the biggest needs she has. And uh, we just thank you for being here today and pray God blesses you through the week ahead.